Welcome to the Vision Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and everything happening at Vision, visit us online at visionnwa.com. Today is Father's Day. We're going to talk about father-son relationships. And, you know, Zach, I was thinking about about this young kid, and he he was in his teens, and he realized the next day was Father's Day, and he forgot to get his dad, his dad a card. It's 11 at night, so he runs out to the drugstore, and he looks at the picked-over shelves, and he finally finds a card, gives it to his dad the next day. His dad reads it, and it says, you've always been like a father to me. And so I want to, I want, if you haven't had a chance to get your dad a card, I got some for you, okay? So I want to show you a couple of cards here. This is the first one I found. Sorry. You had to raise my awful brother. At least you have me. So let's go to the next one. Dad, when I grow up, I hope I am as funny as you think you are. This is true. How many of you dads? That's true, isn't it? Next one is, Dad, I may not be perfect, but that's totally okay. I forgive you. Ouch, man. Next one is, Happy Father's Day from your favorite financial burden. Next one is uh, dad thanks for sharing your dna we are both now we are both fabulous now that you've had me of course right and then dad i know you've loved me as long as i've lived but i loved you i've loved you my whole life that just that's really cute and then the next one is dad i cannot begin to imagine how proud you are of me happy father's day (laughs) and then the next one This is the last one. I feel bad for other people. I clearly have got the best dad. Wow. So in case you didn't get your dad a card, you're welcome. There you go. So if you have... Oh, there were a couple others. Uh, There's another graphic I wanted to show um, about a note that a daughter left for her dad with a... Yeah. Oh, Oh. about that. Ouch. And then this one really got my heart. The next one... I'm not a stepdad. I'm a dad that stepped up. Man, come on, dad. We, don't, we, could, just, up. we could just end it there. <laughs> just walk out. Woo. Father's Day done. So I want to read to you a scripture this morning, and then we're going to get into uh, what we're talking about. And this is out of Psalms 127, verse 3. I'm going to read it to you out of the Passion Translation. It says, children are God's love gift. Man, I know you may not always feel like it, Dads, moms, but they are. And it says, it says they are heaven's generous reward. Verse 5 says, happy will be the couple who has many of them. Many of them. I want to show you a picture right now of Zach when he was a baby. This is when he was born. Look at this dude. Look at this dude. His stocking cap barely fit. You see how it's squeezed over his head? I hear that's actually the style now. I mean, he came man. out nine, nine pounds, one ounce. The doctor looked at Nicole and I and said, where did this kid come from? And so by comparison, I thought it would be fun to show a baby picture of me. This is years before, of course, Ooh. 30 years before. I'm not nearly as pudgy or stocky. I mean, stocky. Stocky was the word. I'm it's okay. Pudgy. I know your heart. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, with that, let's read another scripture. First Kings chapter 19. Before I read this scripture, this, this really spoke to me this week, is that, you know, children are a blessing from the Lord, but the main thing that's important that they, that they carry on, 
the next generation carries on is our legacy. You know, um, it's, and let me read the scripture to you. This is Elijah. When he was passing by Elijah, he threw his mantle on him. Okay, because God wanted to take this thing to a whole new level. And so in order to do that, he needed the next generation. And so the next generation is so important. They're so crucial because my ceiling is Zach's floor. He's taken it to a whole new level. Many of you don't know, I, I led worship for years. And now when I, you know, t- I'm not even involved in the music. I don't pick the songs. I don't really have anything unless there's something on my heart that I'm preaching about. And I may ask him, hey, would you mind doing this song? You know, but to see what God has done in him and how you've taken it to a whole new level has been a blessing uh, for me. And so I'm excited about that. So let's, let's move on. I'm going to show you one more picture. Uh, because when we used to travel on the road, we traveled in an RV. And I wanted to show you a picture of our RV. God gave us our first RV. Uh, and this is a Newmar Country Stars 38 foot with a slide there. And, but now I've come home. We're on the road full time. And we're living in how many square feet? 300 square feet. 300. Okay. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, so here we are traveling, and so there were adjustments to make. So, Zach, I wanted to ask you, first of all, and this first question is, how did you adjust to, I mean, because now you don't have privacy, you know, it's not like you had a room before that, you know, you could kind of hide away and have private time, you know, and so now here you are living in the living room. Um. I mean, it, it's definitely, I mean, with, with every season comes, you know, a lot of adjusting. A lot of adjustments need to be made. Um, and so, I know, seriously. Um, but just with, you know, the change in season that we were going through at that time, um, and then just walking that out and then seeing the price that needed to be paid, because it's easy to say yes when you don't know what it will cost you. Um, but then whenever you realize, like, how much it costs, to say yes, then you begin to be like, all right, you know, it's like talking about going on a missions trip, you know, it's like I'm going to India or whatever, and then like day comes to go, and you hop on the plane, and you're like, no joke, like I'm going now, you know, that kind of thing, and so it was, it was one of those things to where we talked about it, and you know, because we had spent months, you know, just kind of prepping the RV before that, because it was kind of trashed, and then yeah, all of a sudden, house, House is now RV, and so it was good. It was really good because, I mean, it helped that you and mom, the way you all raised us just as kids growing up was always just being involved in each other's lives, not in a controlling way, but in an empowering way. And so through that made that adjustment much easier because I loved my parents. I mean, when you love your parents, you love being around them. Um, and so that's kind of what it was for me, just wow. like when we made that adjustment. was like, wow, I'm seeing my parents all the time. It's still great because I love them and that kind of <laughs> thing. So it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like I felt like my privacy was uh, assaulted <laughs> or like I lost my privacy. Definitely I did. But right. at the same time, right. it was like it was exciting because it's like I'm, I'm, I'm loving how we're all growing together, how we're all equally you know, I have just as much privacy as you have. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. you know, it, 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 was, it was interesting. 
So what do you feel is, is key to um, having a good father-son relationship? Um, definitely, like, hands down, and I'm not being, like, Christianese or anything like that. It's just solely Jesus. Um, that's key to having, you know, a good father-son relationship. Because I'm sure you guys, I'm sure all the married couples in here could probably look and, you know, I could ask you, what's the key to your marriage? What's the key to your marriage? Um, and I'm sure there's people in the world that don't know Jesus that have, you know, done their best to make it work. But every person I've talked to that's been married for some, so many years or whatever, it's always been Jesus is somewhere in there. It's somewhere in there. And so I think that the key to a good father-son relationship is Jesus. Because when you know Jesus, you truly know. I, I heard Michael Culliano say that when you love Jesus most, it helps you to love people best. And that's what I've seen just in our relationship, just between you and I, is like just growing up and looking back now, I've asked myself that question, like not in a prideful way, but just that real way of like, Lord, I'm serving you and I just love you so much. How did I get here? Yeah. Like, it's not that I just woke up one day and was like, I'm going to serve Jesus for the rest of my life. It was a gradual process. Right. But now that I look back on it, it was like, that was the greatest gift that you ever could have given me was just pointing me to Jesus, pointing me to the word. And so through that, those are the conversations I remember with you. Like we were talking about this last <laughs> night. Like yeah. those are the conversations with you I remember <clears throat> is where we're just sitting and just talking about what God has given us, what God has revealed to us through the word or like what book you're reading, you know, yeah, or like yeah. what, what sermon I watched, you know, and that kind of thing. And so it's those conversations that I feel like have really grounded our relationship because, like, we'll have those moments where we talk about movies or something. And those are good conversations, but sure. I don't remember those. Because yeah. I wasn't, I didn't walk away from that being like, man, I'm so encouraged and inspired and challenged <laughs> by what I just heard, you know. Sure. So, yeah, Jesus is definitely, for me, Jesus is key to any, any family dynamic, but especially yeah. father-son. Yeah. You know, that was easier for me to see as, you know, as a married couple, when I married your mom, you know, that there are two people that if Jesus is the center, then you grow like this. You know, you grow closer together and you grow toward Jesus. But, you know, I didn't really see it as a father-child um, situation. And, and, and I'll tell you, when we moved in, when we moved in that RV and started living, spending 24-7 together, because I, I went to work. You know, I went, I went, I went, I went to a job every day, and, and I'd come home, you know, late in the evening, and by then, you know, we, we really barely saw you. Yeah. Because, I mean, you were being the provider. You know, you were doing that whole thing. And so we kind of, we had to get to know each other on a deeper level, yeah. you know. Yeah. And really working through that, too, because it was an investment, like a whole new game-changing investment. Um, yeah. But I have a question for you, which uh -oh. is basically, like, what was it like stepping in as a dad, like stepping, stepping into that season of life? Um, and that what were some uh, misconceptions that you had going into fatherhood? Misconceptions? You're talking from the very beginning, before I had kids. Pretty, pretty Like, whenever you looked at fatherhood, what was one thing you're like, yeah, it's going to be like that. And then you had kids, and you're like, no, it's not. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you expect babies are going to get bigger. You know what I mean? I, I Personally, I had difficulty seeing behind, beyond the baby in the crib. You know, that I'm going to be a dad, you know. And, I mean, here we are. We're pregnant. And I remember we found out we were pregnant with Rebecca 
uh, for the first time, and 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 we walked out of there, and we thought, well, well, you can't turn this off. I mean, you know, you're fully committed here, and and I thought, man, um, am I ready? Am I going to be able to be the dad that God needs me to be? You know, and to make those decisions uh, that are important. And you know, I think if if you let it overwhelm you, it will. But if you Remind yourself that Jesus is your source, that he's your wisdom, that the Holy Spirit is your helper. He's here, you know, and he's inside of me. And so I knew, you know, with him, there wasn't anything that we couldn't tackle, anything, you know, bridge we couldn't cross. But, uh, but sometimes I get on the bridge and think, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, you know, and forget, wait a minute, he's with me. You know, and, and I, think, I think when you keep Jesus in the center and, you, and it brings you back to him you, and you're reminded, wait a minute, no, I've got, I've got the ace in the hole. You know, God is my. <laughs> and, and too, with that, it's, it's interesting too because um, like also like the last couple of years have been amazing. They've also probably been some of the most difficult in terms of like relationally and just growing and getting to know each other more. Right. Like we've really grown. Because we've in, transitioned quite a bit. Right. And so we've also like really grown through, I mean, mainly like the art of communication. Right. And like, right. And like how we talk to each other. Um, I think some dads don't, some parents in general, sure. don't let go of that t-ball stage. You know, there's the t-ball or there's the baseball, you know, I, you know, where the parent is having to help the child hold the bat, hit the ball. Okay, now let's run. You're running. And so you're basically playing the game with them. And you have to micromanage it because they really don't know what to do. I mean, they'll go chase a squirrel, you know, or something. And you're, whoa, no, come back. we got to go to first, you know, and that kind of thing. And as your child grows, realizing that your relationship changes. Exactly, exactly. Because, yeah, yeah, growing up, I mean, it was, you know, I was born, your dad. Your father, you know, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. You do. Like, I don't know this whole life thing because I just got here, but you've been here for a while. So show me how it's done pretty much, you know. Right. And so, you know, like growing me up in that and then, you know, hit teenage years, you know. And so it's like now you're seeing, okay, like I think he's getting a little more of a grip on what's right and what's wrong and knowing that whole thing. And then I read this in the Passion Translation. It goes right along with what you're saying. It's Colossians 3.21. It. it says, and fathers, don't have unrealistic expectations for your children or else they will become discouraged, you know. And I, I think it's so important that, that I've got to grow and transition with you. And, and Becca, as you guys made that transition, and, and I'll tell you it's something that really helped me. When we did, I caught a revelation of, of that when Becca was turning 13 for the first time, that we needed to help her make that transition, that she was going from... A, a, a child to a young adult because I didn't see teenager anywhere in the Bible. And so to me, it made me think this is an excuse to not grow up, you know, and, and to live a life of rebellion. And, and you know, Satan has worked really diligently to, you know, you've got to sow wild oats and it's just not true. And I heard a pastor say, you know, talk about his children. And I saw they didn't sow wild oats. They never fell away from God. And that just blew me away. 
And I said, man, you know, if that can happen, I can believe God for that. And so we were praying for ideas and ways that we could do that. And so he gave us this idea that when you turn, when both of you turn 13, that we would make a huge celebration. not 12. 13. Sorry, a little family dispute. Anyway, I remember it as 13. But anyway, so, so, so I rented a limousine. We rented a hotel conference room. We invited all of our neighbors, all of our friends. We had you guys memorize scripture. You know, we made a big deal out of it that you were transitioning from being a child to being a man. And, and I even told both of you, okay, now I'm going to give you more responsibility. You're going to get to do more things. But you're going to be responsible for those things. So that means there will be more consequences in the choices that you make, whether good or bad. You know? and, and that was a transition I had to make as a dad that was not easy because sometimes you don't want to take the hands off. And as Beck has mentioned to me several times, Dad, <clears throat> I'm not always looking for a life lesson in everything I tell you. It's true. Because... Uh, Exactly. <laughs> well, even father, I mean, pastor, yes, but even father, you know, it's like you want your child, oh, this is a great opportunity to teach a lesson. Not every, no, sometimes like, like, because it transfers over to your wife too, you know, and sometimes Nicole, she'll just look at me and say, I need you to fill this. I don't need you to fix this. Mm. Write that down. Write that and, down. And that is so true. Your child is the same way. They don't need you to fix everything. I, it, this is good. It like it reminds me of um, that conversation that we had when we were sitting in the uh, <clears throat> drive-through at Chick Fil A. Nice little plug there. Um, and we were talking about you know because like we had just gotten out of uh, one of our staff meetings in the middle of the week, you know, and and um, I, I just asked you. I was like, <clears throat> what? When you look at our staff meetings, like what can we do better? Like in the way that we communicate to one another, in the way that we we speak to one another. You remember this conversation? Yeah, and so, like, you know, you shared with me some of your thoughts, and it was so, so good. Um, and then, like, we just had this joint revelation of uh, the joy and the wonder of listening. Um, because when you, I, I think I remembered us talking also, like, about this up-and-coming generation and how they're very uh, loud, they're very outspoken, they, they're very quick to share opinions. Um, but where are the listeners? Right. Where are the listeners? And, yeah, we just, like, just kind of bouncing, like, these ideas off of one another. And we was just talking about sometimes what I, we were seeing. I would, and, and you guys would, too. But I remember cutting somebody off because I assume I know where they're going. Exactly. And, and I'm just trying to head them off at the pass. And, right, right, right. And, and that's and wrong. It was, <laughs> and it was one of those things to where, like, had that revelation of exactly like what mom had said. <clears> you know, I, I, I want you to feel this. I don't want you to fix this. Is that mentality of... Whenever I go into a conversation, instead of going and thinking what I can bring to it, let me go into a conversation just, and I challenge everyone in here to do this, enter a conversation just ready to listen, not ready to say a word, but just to listen. Because like we had talked about, wow. like when you don't listen to people, yeah. it breeds, um, it, it brings miscommunication or not understanding, which also brings about frustration, which causes people to sever relationships. 
because it's it's a snowball effect. And so, like, just sitting there and having this moment with you and being like, you know what? Like, when you come into my room on a Tuesday or something and I'm getting better at this is just, like, when you sit down and you're, like, talking about the church or what's going on or what's happening is, like, just putting myself in that mindset of just listen to what he's saying because you'll learn a lot about somebody just by listening to him. And I've, like, rediscovered a whole new world of what you're passionate about just through, like, sitting and listening. And I'm still trying my best to get better at it. Um, but because there's nothing more valuable in the world than knowing that there's people there willing to listen to what you have to say because that breeds value. That shows them, right, like, Roddy, if we have a conversation and I am genuinely listening, you can tell when I'm faking it, right? You can tell when I'm like, that's awesome, that's cool. But then you know when I'm like, Roddy, I love what you're saying. Like, that means so much. And you're building me up on the inside. You're we listening. need to talk more anyways. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, just, just those conversations. And so, yeah. like, just rediscovering that with you and yeah. going through that, like you're saying, just as it's gone yeah. from, you know, you've been on the field with me playing, and then you've been on the sideline coaching. And now, now I'm in you're, the like, stands. in the stands. I'm being, just watching. Being, yeah. And so it's, like, it's gone from that coach to mentor to now friend and it's just so beautiful to see that because now it's like, okay, like you were saying, I need, to, I need to grow with my son as well. And that's really inspired me on how I want to raise my kids. But another question I had for you was like, so we've been in ministry our entire lives. And this is probably like the big question is um, growing up for me personally, some of the, the most rebellious, some of the most careless, and honestly, some of the worst kids that I've ever met growing up were pastor's kids. Um, is, am I wrong or is that true? Just for some of you. Um, and so, and I even was that kid for a while. Like I lived that hypocrite lifestyle of just, you know, I, church was just something you did. It was not a lifestyle you lived like. And so I'm wanting to know just being in ministry our entire lives and you probably seeing that in other kids, how did you go about, first of all, making that decision? And then how did you practically apply doing ministry and not divorcing ministry and family because there's so many people that they sacrifice their families on the altar of ministry and you didn't do that. Yeah. And I think that that's something that's really key and I want to know how to do it. Well, I got to tell you, I was living, I was a teenager and we had some neighbors and I liked going over to their house because they had nine daughters and one son. And bless so, his heart. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. And uh, just you know, one is a lot. A couple of them were the lifeguards of the pool, you know. And anyway, the oldest daughter got married. And her husband was a musician. Well, I was a musician, so I mean I you know kind of identified with him. And I watched them get a divorce just like in a very short amount of time. It seemed like eight, nine months. And what he had done was instead of paying their bills. He took their money and he bought all this music gear because, you know, he's everybody's this musician's going to make it big, you know. And, uh, and, and, and I saw that and I watched that and I went, man. So, and I had friends in school, you know, going, going to a Christian school that, you know, were, were kids of pastors, kids of ministries. And if I named the pastor, you would know who they were, you know, because the school that I, I went to, we had a lot of kids that came. And, and I remember this one girl I really liked a lot. And, man, the, just when I learned her character, I, I became so disillusioned and so unimpressed 
because her, her father traveled internationally. I mean, he spoke at amazing events. And, you know, and, and when you see that, you would just assume everybody in the family is that way. You know, I'd hear him speak, and I'd be like, wow, man, to marry his daughter would be amazing. Well, yeah, until I got to know her. And then I was like, dear God, this, this person is not at all like her dad. And, and, I, and so I pulled away from her. Well, so when I met Nicole and found out she was a pastor's kid, it blew me away. Because here's a girl that is, is so in love with Jesus. She is in love with Jesus more than I was. I was convicted by her relationship with God and how, and how she was serving God on her own, not because her parents did, but because that's what she, that she had her own relationship with God. I think, some, I think this other girl didn't have her own relationship with God yet. I think she was just surfing on the wave of her father. Yeah, she was just riding on his coattails. And so, you know, when me, uh, and so the Lord began to help me see that in people and see that in situations, begin to understand what I didn't want in my own life. Another guy, friend guy, met at ORU, and he played for the Richard Roberts TV band back when, you know, they had their TV show going, and he was on a full ride scholarship to ORU, phenomenal drummer. And we used to play together at Victory for the worship. And I asked him one time, I said, you know, do you think it's better to, you know, do you think maybe God will help you make it big before you get married? Or do you want to get married before, you know, God? Because I could tell this guy was going to go somewhere. And he said, no, I think I want to be married before because I always want my wife to know where we were. And sure enough, he wound up playing on Celine Dion's records. I mean, he went on to become a session player in Nashville. Just amazing. God, but, but I loved how he had... You know, he had his mind squared. He had his head on, you know. And I think we have to have our own relationship with God and not care what other people think. Not care whether or not they like us. Not care whether or not they support us, you know, but have our own relationship. That's got to be settled. Yeah, and that's what you did for us um, is like growing up, you always pointed us back to the word. Like if we ever had a question on something morally or just a question on something practically, You'd be like, what does this say in the Word? Did you go to the Word? Yeah. Um, and the day that I actually took that, like, for real um, was the day that I, like, saw the Word in a totally different way. Um, because I, like, looked at it like, wow, this book has every question or has every answer to every question I could ever imagine asking. And so that's probably another, like, one of the greatest things that you've ever done for me is just pointing me to the Bible. Because you're just like, you know what? I don't know it all. And that's a humble place to come from, you know, is that I don't know, but the Word does. Yeah. And so it's like you've, you, you were that, that redirecting. You were just redirecting me, basically in the ways of like, don't lean on me on that, in that way. You know, he was like, I'll walk next to you and I'll hold your hand, but don't lean on me or expect for me to carry you. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Like, he's the one here who's going to comfort you. He's the one here because you're also showing me, because I think that's also like if I were to ever have like gone off to college or something, you're like, there's people that go to college, and if you don't know who you are, college will tell you who you are real quick if you're not solidified in that. And I think it's so important that through the years of you pointing me back to the word, because you you realize you're like, I'm not always going to be here. 
And so if your salvation is predicated on me being present, you're in big trouble. Right. Because what are you going to do when I'm not here? Well, I don't ever want to orphan people. You know, we can orphan our kids because if they can't get a hold of dad, they can't get a hold of mom. You know, you have to help them get established in themselves. So I have a question for you. Answer. So um, what would you say is the best way that a dad can validate his son or daughter uh, without making them feel like they don't know anything? You know what I mean? Because um, sometimes I see parents and, they, and the, the way they talk to their kids is it's, it's pretty demeaning. It's pretty, you know, it's like letting the air out of the balloon. Um, you know, I was excited until, you know. So, so how can we get better as parents in validating you or, or encouraging you, helping steer you without yeah, yeah. making you feel like you don't, you don't know where the steering wheel is? Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, for me personally, I, I, I don't like being in that situation where I don't know something. And so sometimes I'll just play it off like I know like, does, does that make sense? Uh, just because, like, I don't want to ask or something like that. And I think, like, the most important thing that you could do, that you could do to validate is, first of all, I mean, I mean, going back to what I said before, it all has to go back to the cross. It all has to go back to Jesus. That's the best way that we can find validation. That's the best way. And, and you may be sitting in here being like, oh, well, that's just such a Jesus answer. Well, I'm sorry. You came to a Jesus church. So I don't know what else to give you. But um, that's really the best thing that you can do is just model what he looks like. Because I'm going to see him in you before I see him for myself. And it's the way that you model him for me that's going to make me feel inclined to want to go know him, wow. right? And so I think that's the best thing because we're all, I'm, I'm validated in Jesus. And so I don't want to be the next Phil. I'm not going to be the next Phil. I'm not the next Phil. Hmm. I am, I'm the first and only unique Zach. Yeah. And you're the first and only unique Phil. That's right. Like you're not the next Frank. No. You're Phil. And so. That was my dad's name, by the way. Yeah. Thanks for not calling me something that went like, f- 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 you know, Frank, Frank Jr., man. It was Freddy coming, Frankie. <laughs> Frankie, please no. But um, that's really what I can say. Just that's my honest answer is that's the best way that I could be validated is in him. And I can only know him by the way that you've modeled him in front of me. Um, because like mom said, this is like, you know, we're one Jesus away from hell. And some people are the only Jesus we're ever going to see. And so it was through that and seeing that and being like, you know what, I, I, I want that and I want to walk that out. Yeah. And so going towards that, running towards him and finding validation in him is how I'm not going to lose myself. It's how I'm not going to, uh, I'll know whenever I'm acting as an orphan when he's called me to be a son, like yeah. you just know right off the bat. Yeah. So that's, that's what I would have to say is how you know, basically. So, so what was the toughest thing that you had to work through with me? Are you ready for my answer? Um, what? Ready or not. Uh, the, big, the, the, the most difficult thing to work through with you? Most difficult thing, situation I ever put you in. Most difficult situation. 
That's tough, man. <laughs> I wouldn't want to answer That's that. That's a difficult situation you ever put me in. You're an adult. I, I mean, I, I, I would have to say just personally from my heart was like probably the most difficult thing that we've had to work through was the, the communication thing, uh, going back to what we were talking about before, because yeah. we both are very passionate people. We really get on board with an idea when we have an idea. Like growing up, you showed me Star Wars and I was like, that's the coolest thing in the world. So my life became Star Wars. You got involved in music and you're like, I love music and your world became music, yeah. you know, Phil Collins and... Huey Lewis in the news, and like you don't have to name anymore. Right? That's all so I know. All that's all I know. All so good, that's that's yeah. as far as I can go in that conversation. <laughs> but you know, like we're very passionate people. So when you get passionate about something like that, and then you sit down in a room to another person who's passionate, like and you're and there's no one there to listen. There is stepping on toes, and and sometimes like once again going back to that misunderstanding thing, like. Sometimes, like, you'd misunderstand what I said, or I would misunderstand what you'd, said, what you'd say. And it used to be that we'd, like, go separate ways and just, like, cool off for a second. Which, honestly, I understand the methodology behind that. But the longer you leave something to simmer, like, it's like when you, when, when you leave. It's still heating up. It, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> getting, like, I like scrambling eggs in the morning. So, like, whenever I'll scramble eggs, if I keep it on one side for too long, I flip it over it's going to be a little burnt, and that makes it a little more tough. But if I like my eggs light and fluffy, it makes them easy. I, that's just me. You know, like, that's just, I'm practical. Okay? Yeah, the quicker, so, the quicker yeah. you deal with it, and the better. So, yeah. like, working through that, what was the main thing is, like, if one of us would have this thought, like, I want to leave this conversation, would be like, well, no, let's, let's talk this out. Let's understand where we're coming from. Because once understanding steps onto the scene, then... I can truly value what you're saying because now I'm hearing you. Yeah. But I just need to have it, like sometimes, it'll, it'll take some time to hear each other out. Yeah. But mm. I think that that was the biggest thing that we've worked through. And once again, we're getting better at it is, yeah, just that communication and honoring each other's opinion, even if we don't necessarily agree. Right. You know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong and I'm right. I'm just saying you do it this way and I'm doing it this way. I think too, and it's okay too many people that. are willing to throw a relationship away over we don't agree yeah. on things. And when God needs us to stay in there, stay in the game. They don't have to be your intimate friend. You know, I'm talking about other people, not your family. But, I mean, they don't have to be your intimate friend. But we've got to be, learn how to keep relationship because when the relationship's there, there's a door. Uh, if we throw somebody away and decide and throw our hands up and have a poof, then that door's closed, and so now you have to look for other doors, and you have to pray that God will send somebody else to help them. Exactly. So um, that was free <laughs> on the, in our nose. So I, I I'd have to say um, also just speaking personally for my generation is the biggest thing that we can do for the generation that has come before us. A great friend of mine said we need to. Honor the past while celebrating the future. And so I think that it's so very important that we do honor those who have gone before us, that we honor those who have walked in our shoes, very much so beforehand. Um, because, I mean, going back to what we were saying before, you know you know things because you've, you, you went through it before I went through it. So I definitely think just for our generation to your generation, the biggest thing that we can do is honoring you guys. Yeah, I'm going to ask the keys to come. And so <clears throat> through honoring and just respecting, 
um, I just think it's so very important that we humble our hearts, we humble our minds, and we allow ourselves to come to that place of being like, you know what, I don't know everything, but it's totally fine because I'm doing life with other people that actually know things. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.